the teams you care about. The Patriots are now closer to the bottom of the AFC than the top. That's a fact. The stories that matter to you. Trevor Story, man, he makes the Red Sox much, much better in 2022. This is your home for New England sports. I'm just wondering what happens next for UVA, because I think there could be a lot of turnover on that roster. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV-AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show here on a Wednesday on WDEV-AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. You know the drill this week. Short show today, just 30 minutes-ish. We go up until 6.07, and then we've got Red Sox baseball. They take on the Blue Jays in Toronto. Game three of a crucial early season four-game set, and... Another tough loss last night in what is becoming a trend. We will get to the Red Sox here momentarily. We've got a guest list show on the air, but I did talk with former Vermont Academy basketball coach Alex Pope on the podcast channel. He coached Bruce Brown, who had a great series for the Nets against the Celtics, even in that Celtics sweep. Full conversations with Freddie Coleman and Tom Karen, also available on the podcast channel. And I got to tell you, in about 15 minutes, I've got a story about how I failed to accomplish one of the most basic tasks that you could get asked to do. I think, uh, well, it's going to make me look pretty bad, but it's a story that I want to tell. You can get in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. Your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. You can also get in on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and my Twitter account as well. That's WDEV. Radio Brady. Let's waste no time, everybody, and let go. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. I don't know how Red Sox pitcher Tanner Houck feels today. But I know that if I were him, I'd be feeling very uneasy. And the reason I'd feel very uneasy is because in the last few days, you have seen the negative consequences of a decision that you made. And there's been negative consequences for the team, and there's been possibly a negative consequence for you as an individual. If I were Tanner Houck, I'd be feeling very uneasy about what has happened here the last couple of days. Let's let's reset. Tanner Houck did not get vaccinated against COVID. As a result, he's not in Toronto for this series against the Blue Jays. And that has caused a big-time snowball effect for the Red Sox pitching staff. All of it, all of that snowball, by the way, has gone completely against the Red Sox. And Tanner Houck is a huge reason for all that. So as a result, again, I'd be feeling very uneasy. Don't get vaccinated all you want. Yes, that is your right. Yes, that is his choice. But much like we bagged on Kyrie Irving for putting the Nets in a bad spot, we have to admit that Tanner Houck has done the exact same thing to the Red Sox, and he may also have hurt himself in the process. Let's examine here. Tanner Houck cannot go to Toronto, therefore he cannot start in Toronto. So as a result, 
the Red Sox had to switch up their entire pitching staff. Because Hauk can't start in Toronto, the Red Sox need to use Garrett Whitlock in Toronto. So he's going to start tomorrow instead. So in order, I assume, to get Whitlock stretched out, to get him familiar as a starter, the Red Sox started Whitlock on Saturday in Tampa. As a result, Whitlock was not available out of the bullpen on Saturday. He was not available in extra innings when you were trying to hold a 2-0 lead. You end up losing 3-2. So right off the bat, Hauk's decision to not get vaccinated sets off the chain reaction, leads Whitlock to start. Whitlock's not in the bullpen Saturday. You lose 3-2. Then in the eighth inning on Monday, when Bo Bichette hits the grand slam, you go to you you've had to go to Tyler Danish before that happens. Once again, Whitlock not available. Tyler Danish is pitching in the eighth inning in a crucial game against a division rival and not Garrett Whitlock as a result of the fact he started Saturday and he's now going to have to start again on Thursday. And then last night, in the ninth, because Whitlock has to get saved to be a starter tomorrow, he's not available. This causes you to go to Robles in the eighth inning. It causes you to go to Diekman in the ninth because, again, Whitlock's not there, and this happens. The pitch. Swing. There's a long drive to center. Kike back to the warning track by the fence. He jumps. It's gone. And we have a tie game. George Springer has tied it with two out in the ninth inning. So that ties it in the ninth in a spot that maybe Whitlock would be used in, or maybe Whitlock would have been in the eighth and Robles could have been in the ninth. But instead, you have Diekman there, Springer Homers. And then once again, Whitlock's not available in the 10th for you when the game is tied. You have to go to a guy that you don't really trust, who doesn't seem to trust himself in Matt Barnes, and then you end up going to Matt Strom, and you lose the game like this. Strom pitches. Swing and a line drive into left field. Verdugo is back there, should be deep enough to win the game. Alex's throw comes home. It is up the line past Vasquez, and the Blue Jays win it. And the final score was 6-5. to five. So Tanner Houck's decision to not get vaccinated has thrown this entire pitching staff for a huge loop. And as a result, every game since Saturday, when Whitlock started, you have lost. Whitlock has not been available in the pen. You've seen a guy like Tyler Danish have to pitch in a high-leverage spot where he doesn't belong. We saw Matt Barnes yesterday in a high-leverage spot where right now, at this moment, he doesn't really belong. So if I were Tanner Houck, I would be feeling very uneasy because of the impact I've had on my team. Up until now, it's been fine, right? It's been about free choice and, well, we'll cover Houck's loss when we get there. Well, they've gotten there, and the Red Sox haven't been able to cover. So now Tanner Houck is seeing a tangible negative impact on the team as a result of his decision. So I'd certainly be feeling differently. Again, it is his right. I will support his right. But if I were him, up until now, it's been like, hey, it's my choice. The team will figure out a way. Today, the team hasn't figured out a way. I'd be feeling differently. So that's the impact on the team. That makes me feel odd and uneasy. But there's also the impact on me personally. And that also makes me feel uneasy. Doesn't it feel like Tanner Houck may lose his spot 
in the starting rotation as a result of all of this. Garrett Whitlock dominated Saturday against the Rays as a starter. Four innings, one hit, seven strikeouts. He only threw 48 pitches. That's 12 pitches an inning. So he dominated. He finished hitters off. It was completely effortless. He was efficient. If Garrett Whitlock pitches well tomorrow against the Blue Jays, against that lineup, in that ballpark, don't you have to strongly consider keeping him in the rotation? I would. If I were Alex Cora and Whitlock pitches well tomorrow, I may have no choice but to keep him as a starter. So Tanner Houck's decision to not get vaccinated has played a role in the Red Sox losing games from a team perspective, and it also may end up costing him his rotation spot because as Whitlock gets built up and continues to pitch well, you are almost forced into keeping him in that role. I spoke with Tom Karen of Nesson earlier this morning, and he told me you'd have to think Whitlock would have to stay a starter if he pitches well tomorrow. If he comes out and goes five strong, five plus strong, you can't take him out, can you? You have to leave him in. And then maybe how can take his role as the multi-inning guy. And if you're worried about inning total as the season progresses, well, maybe when you get Sale and Paxton later in the season, you, you move Whitlock back in for his own protection and say he'll be a starter next year. You worry about that later. But right now, if Whitlock does what he did the other night, I think you have to give him another start. And you have to keep him in that rotation until he proves otherwise. This has big-time Mac Jones, Cam Newton vibes for me. Remember last summer? I don't believe that Cam's decision to not be vaccinated got him cut from the Patriots. I don't believe that. But I do believe that those five days he was out last summer, remember he had the, the he was not vaccinated, he had the left the area, and he broke the NFL protocol. So in a way, him not being vaccinated led to his absence, which then led the Patriots coaching staff to open their eyes more to Mac Jones. It gave Mac Jones more reps with the first team. It was They had those joint practices, I believe, with the Eagles before the preseason game. They saw him in action there with the ones. They realized Mac was good. They realized Cam was expendable. Don't you see the same thing potentially happening here to Hauk? If Whitlock pitches well, to Tom Karen's point, Hauk could potentially be bumped to the bullpen, and that may end up being okay for the team, but if I am Hauk, I don't feel real good today. I've seen the tangible effects of my decision. My team has lost games, and now I may lose my rotation spot. I I would not be feeling all that great today if I were Tanner Houck because you, you look at this situation and you think to yourself, it's just four games in Toronto in April, and maybe they'll change the rules, and I'll be good later in the season, and it won't end up being that big a deal. Well, here you are. If you're the Red Sox, you are now 7-11. and You have lost four consecutive games. You are five games out of first place already. You are 3-8 and against your division. And you have lost four straight games since your decision caused other things to happen. The pitching staff has had to change. Guys are pitching in places where they would not be pitching. Whitlock's had to start takes him out of the bullpen. It forces Barnes into higher leverage. It forces Tyler Danish, a guy that most people have never heard of, into higher leverage. And then it also changes when you lose use Robles and use Diekman. 
if I were Hauk today, I would not be feeling real good about how this has gone for the team and how this has gone for me personally. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox baseball is coming up at 6.07 with the pregame show. We will give you the lineups here in about, I don't know, 20 minutes from now. At about 6.05, we'll have the Red Sox lineup for you. But first, boy, do I have a millennial story for you. All you know, I, all these things that millennials can't figure out that that older people can. Yesterday, I was the epitome of it all. Let me give you this story because I screwed this up in just about every possible way. So Saturday is my grandmother, and we're going to talk about the Patriots quick in a moment, but I got to say this. Saturday is my grandmother's 97th birthday. I needed to mail her a card, and I wanted to do it by Monday. It's got to get to Ohio, but I wanted to make sure it was there on time. So I wanted to mail it by Monday. Of course, I forgot to do it. And so I was like, okay, it's got to be done Tuesday. It's got to be done yesterday. I have birthday cards at my apartment. Like I have a stack of cards, birthday cards being one of them. So my intent was to use one of those and mail it by Tuesday. Of course, I forget to bring that card with me to work when I was going to mail it down here. You know, For whatever reason, I was going to mail it down here. So I forget the card yesterday. So yesterday at about 2 o'clock, I run to the drugstore down the street. I buy a card for $4.49. And that's a cheap card. Like It's absurd how expensive cards are. So it's for my grandmother. She's worth $4.49. I understand that. But now I'm PO'd at myself that I've had to spend $5 on something that I already have sitting in my apartment for free. So that bothers me. So I decide then. I don't want to spend more money. Again, my grandmother's worth it, but I'm PO'd that I've wasted $5. I don't want to spend any more money. I didn't want to buy a roll of stamps at the drugstore. I don't need a roll of stamps at the drugstore because I've got stamps at my apartment also. I also didn't feel like driving across town to go to the post office to spend money on one singular stamp to mail this birthday card. So I had what I thought was a genius idea, and that was to use our postage machine here at the station, right? The station has a postage machine that you know we pay for, but we slide the envelopes through and things go out to listeners or clients or whatever. And I'm not really sure that you're supposed to use this postage machine for personal use. So I felt weird about the whole thing right off the bat, but I figure if, if it really matters, I'll pay the price of the stamp back to the station if I shouldn't have been using it. I couldn't figure out how to use the thing. I could not figure out how to use the postage machine. It was like 2.45 in the afternoon. Everybody who's usually downstairs was gone. The reason being, they all get here really early, so they were out by like 2.30 or so. So I have nobody there to ask. I couldn't figure out how to use it. I've never used it. I don't do clerical-type work at the station, so I've never had a reason to use it. So there I am sitting in the front office by myself watching YouTube videos trying to figure out how to use this postage machine that we have downstairs. It took me like 12 minutes to figure out how to use it. Eventually, I figure out how this thing operates. But what I don't know is, I don't know which side the postage actually gets stamped down from. Do you slide the thing down and it gets punched down from the top or does it need to be face down and it comes up from the bottom? So I had no idea. So I slide the envelope through and of course... 
I do it wrong. So instead of the postage being on the, you know, the, the front of the envelope in the right-hand corner, I've got it on the back of the envelope, you know, going through the fold. So my postage is on the back of the envelope. So now I know that it looks stupid that the postage is on the back of the envelope, but I'm still thinking to myself, I've got postage on this. I wonder if they'll accept it. Well, the male people accept this. There is postage, but it's on the back of the envelope. So I look up on Google, can you still mail something with postage on the back with a stamp on the back? And of course they say, no, it has to be on the front. They don't care if it's on the front. They don't care as much as you think they do that it's on the top right. It could be on the top left if you screwed up, but it's got to be on the front. So now I'm screwed this way. So so I've slid it in wrong. The postage is on the back. They're not going to accept it. So now I have to, I figure like what I'm going to do is I'll just slide it through the other way and I'll have po double-sided postage. So the machine that we have at work tells me you're out of money. That was the last stamp you could do. You're out of money. And apparently you can only refill starting at a minimum of $200. So I'm like, well, screw that. I've already stolen 53 cents from the company for this stamp. I can't put out $200 on a card that I don't know exactly where it's going. So I couldn't do that anymore. So now I had to go hat in hand to the post office, which I didn't want to do in the first place, tell the front desk worker that I've screwed up the, the envelope. The, the stamp is on the back of the envelope. So she gives me, a, so I've got to pay a stamp 58 cents instead of 53. Apparently the machine we have at work is some kind of a discount if you do it on your own. So 58 cents, cents for one stamp. And my grandma, 97 years old, is going to get a birthday card this week that has a real stamp on the front, the stamp on the back also that goes through the fold. It's just ridiculous. The front desk worker thinks I'm an idiot. I think I'm an idiot. My Nana is going to see that she's got a double-sided postage envelope, and she's going to think I'm an idiot. And here we go. That was my that was my afternoon yesterday before the afternoon news service, trying to send a simple birthday card. It should have been as simple as I had the card already at home. I had the stamp already at home. I mail it on my way out of my apartment. That should have been it. Instead, I... Don't take the, 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 the card with me. I've got to buy a card when I shouldn't have had to. I try to use the stamp machine and screw that up. I've got a stamp with a postage label on the, on the wrong side of the envelope. I don't have a second envelope to try to make this look nicer. I try to slide it through again. I get told there's not enough money. I can only spend $200 at minimum. I'm like, well, I can't do that. It's not my money in the first place. And then I've got to go and explain myself to the teller at the post office in Waterbury, and now she probably thinks I'm a moron. My only hope is that my Nana doesn't recognize it. That's my only hope, is that, you know, the, the label that I've given, because remember, it's not a stamp. It's just kind of one of those labels you see on envelopes. Maybe it gets smudged in the mail. It gets kind of faded out. She just simply doesn't notice it because she's 97. That's the only goal that I have. That's my only hope, because... I truly am a moron. And yes, some of you on the text line are telling me that I'm a moron. Thank you very much. Uh, Rick in Montpelier. Yes, you're right. Millennials can seem to do even the simplest of tax tasks. In my defense, I've never had to use this thing before. I have never had to use this thing before 
in my defense, this this stamp machine, I don't send out envelopes at the office. My job is to come in and find news stories, find sports stories, make audio clips, talk to part-time Danny, talk to Lee, talk to Corm, and then do the show. It's not in my job description to work the front desk stamp machine. However, you sh- apparently I should have figured out which proper side to put it on. I should have just gone to the post office in the first place. As my mom told me, the cheap becomes expensive. And that is what it did. Not only did I have to spend $449 on a card unnecessarily, I also um, ended up having to go to the post office, drive there anyways, and get a 50 eight cent stamp. And then I had to come back in this morning to the office, tell them what happened and say, Hey, I owe you 53 cents. And, uh, sorry that I, uh, took that. And hopefully you have the $200 necessary to refill the machine. So there you go. There was my day, uh, yesterday. And then the Red Sox lost and then the Red Sox lost in crushing fashion. So it was not an overly enjoyable Tuesday outside of doing the show from uh two 30 until about 11 o'clock last night. It is the Brady Farkas show. Yes, more texts coming in. Uh, Bill in Burlington says, Brady, that's not that bad. I honestly was expecting worse. Uh, It says that my office also has a stamp machine. I screwed up the first time how to use it also. Thank you very much, Bill. I appreciate it. You are a little friendlier than uh, Tug. Tug from uh, Heinsberg who says, yep, Total millennial thing to do. Well, yeah, you're pretty much echoing the last texter that we had. I once screwed up a UPS delivery, too, or or screwed up something at the post office also. Apparently, mail is just some kind of problem for me. So, yes, I prefer things digitally and electronically, but uh, what are you going to do? And she is going to get the card on time. That is the most important thing, even though... There's two stamps. It is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. I quickly want to get into the NFL draft, which kicks off with round one tomorrow. The Patriots scheduled to pick number 21. This is actually, it's a weird feeling for me with the NFL draft from the Patriots' perspective. I actually have quite a mix of emotions here. I'm really not that in. I haven't been into the pre-draft stuff when it comes to the Patriots. It's part of the reason we haven't talked a lot about it. I haven't been into mock drafts. I haven't been into projections. I haven't even read on some of the players that they've been linked to. I'm not in to the pre-draft stuff. And the reason why is because it's such a deviation from last year. Last year's lead-up to the draft was so fun because, for the Patriots' perspective, we were so zeroed in on the quarterback position. And this year, we're not. Last year was all about, are the Patriots going to draft Justin Fields? Are they going to trade up to get somebody? What if Zach Wilson falls? Are they going to take Mac Jones Will they trade back and not take a quarterback at all? And will they get one in the second round, like a Davis Mills, who they could get later, who ultimately went to Houston? Last year was fun as a whole because the quarterback position was going to be so prevalent in the NFL draft, and it's always fun. I was talking to Freddie Coleman about this earlier, this interview's on the podcast channel. He said, Brady, I'm kind of with you. 
quarterbacks rule the world. And right now in this draft, there aren't quarterbacks in general that maybe even will go in the top 10 picks. We might not see a quarterback taken in the top 15. So the pre-draft run-up isn't as fun when there's not quarterbacks in the fold. And for the Patriots, it's the exact same thing. Last year, we knew the Patriots had one singular need. And we were focused completely on that need, and everything was centered around that need. So it's really easy last year to get into the draft pre-draft. This year, it hasn't been that way. The Patriot, It's not a quarterback. It's not a quarterback-heavy draft. It's not a quarterback-high draft. And from the Patriots' perspective, they've got so many needs— I haven't even really known where to start. You know, the Patriots need a, an impact wideout. They need an offensive lineman. They need a tackle. They need a guard. They need multiple linemen. They need multiple linebackers. They need a DB. There's so much need there for the Patriots. I haven't been able to zero in because I have so many things that I need to, to so many things to look at. And it's like, there's so much to look at. My head has been spinning on this pre-draft stuff. Well, am I studying all the DBs or am I studying all the linebackers? Am I studying all the linebackers or all the wideouts? Am I studying all the wideouts or all the offensive tackles? I have just taken the stance that, like, you know what? I'm going to watch the draft, and then we're going to come in on Friday, and we're going to come in on Monday, and we're going to break it down. I have elected to do my homework on the backside of the Patriots pick rather than the front side. There's so much need there, it feels like it's been a futile effort trying to study the front side, because again, there's so much there. And I came to this conclusion. As for what the Patriots should do in the first round, at the end of the day, I agree with Tom Curran, Patriots insider, NBC Sports Boston. He was on WEEI yesterday. This is what he said. This is what I agree with. The goal every single year first is to win the division. In order to win the AFC East, the Patriots have to get faster. We saw it exhibited against the Buffalo Bills in the second two meetings, clearly exhibited. Now, additionally, Tyreek Hill has joined the Dolphins, a team that the Patriots lost to twice. Speed is an absolute must. That is what I've said all along about the Patriots. That is their most glaring problem. They need to address early in the draft tomorrow. In that first round, pick number 21, they need to address athleticism. They need explosion. If they take those traits in the first round, I will be happy. So again, I'm not I'm not here to lie to you. I don't have the specific player in mind. I don't even have one specific position in mind because again, there's so many needs. If they just take an athletic player with explosive traits in the first round at a position of need, I will be happy. I want a wide receiver in the first two rounds. So if they take a wide out with those traits, I'll be happy. If they take a powerful edge rusher with those traits, I'll be happy. If they take a fast linebacker with those traits, I'll be happy. If they take a good DB I will be happy. I will be happy with any of that ultimately. They just have to get more athletic to Tom Curran's point. Again, the pre-draft run-up, I've been less into. 
They're not picking in the top half of the draft like they were last year. They're not in the quarterback market like they were last year. I have no interest in them moving back, which is more, you know, more than I. So I felt like too, like if they trade back, it's a futile effort also to try to identify who they should take in twenty one if they're going to trade out of the first round. I have no interest in them doing that, but the possibility of them actually doing that is another reason why I have found the pre-draft stuff less interesting this year. They just need to take somebody with athleticism, with explosiveness, and with those great traits. That is what they need. That is what the other teams have. The Dolphins have gotten it, Waddle and, and, and Hill. The Bills already had it. The Chargers have gotten it. The Raiders have gotten it. Denver has gotten it. The Chiefs still have it. Since he's got it, Cleveland's generally got it. And Baltimore has it. You need it. Take an explosive player at a position of need and I'll ultimately be happy. I love the draft. Well, I don't love the pre-draft stuff and I haven't loved it this year, I love the draft. I will watch every minute of coverage the next three days. And I can't wait to on Monday. We have a full show, no Red Sox game on Monday, I believe. we got a full 90-minute show. We're going to break down the draft from every angle for the Patriots. I can't wait for that. I just haven't been in to the pre-draft stuff. But the Patriots do have a lot of needs. Red Sox have a lot of needs now at the moment as well as they've lost four straight. What we'll do, we'll get the national news update, and then we'll come back with your Red Sox lineup as they get ready to take on the Toronto Blue Jays in game three of four. That's next on the Brady Farkas Show and WDEV AM and FM. This is WDEV, Vermont's news station, owned and operated by the Radio Vermont Group. From the top of Sugarbush 96.1 FM, WDEV Warren and Waitsfield, 96.5 W243 Barry, 98.3 W252 CU Montpelier, along with our founding station, AM550 WDEV Waterbury Montpelier, streaming at WDEVradio.com. 90 years of serving Vermont, the friendly pioneer, WDEV.